0: Okay, let's do titles. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to what's the deal? The Seinfeld. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. <laughs> what, what do you have your like forty-year-old Casio watch going off over <sighs> no, there? No, it was an oven timer. Just let me. I'll be... one second. Oh good God! Is there a Chiron on your oven? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <Whoa, whoa. laughs> Welcome to What's the Deal, the Seinfeld review show that's going to fake it until it makes it. Each week we dissect every episode in Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today, as always, is Patrick Armstrong. Hello. And Christopher Young. Where are you? I'm Cameron Wong and this is episode 49, the big 49. And today we'll be looking at season 4, episode 10, The Virgin. Okay, Next episode, go. number 50. And it's a big one too, it's a milestone. It is. Aside from just being 50. It's, uh, it's the, the episode that changed everything for them. Next episode. Yes, we're all looking forward to watching The Other Side. Oh shit, I was wrong. Never mind. Wow, okay. Or next week we will be looking at The Contest. But. Oh, really uh, not. I was talking about The Contest. Oh, I see uh good christopher, christopher young welcome back to the show this week john nice. f kennedy jr <laughs> how are you doing chris I'm um, good i like that you say with us today as always even though i'm not always in the show i appreciate that he also says every week i know okay. and we if chris had listened to last week's show i talked about changing yeah. the intro I, I haven't done it yet i thought about doing it today but i'm no, that's not, we're not you don't know, gotta change the intro this is like this is like on Star Trek where for next generation they changed it to like where no one has gone before instead of no man. They didn't need to do that. So what's new, Chris?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, not a lot. I mean I guess a lot, but I don't know how much I'll go into. Right. Uh back in school. Mm-hmm. Uh it's cold in Toronto. It's really cold. Polar Vortex. Polar Vortex. Heard about that airport closure. Yep. Couldn't flum a plane out. It was bummer. Mm-hmm. Had to park um, the Gulf Stream. I did. Yeah. Uh other than that, no not a lot, I guess. Let's see. Saw that uh Wolf of Wall Street movie. Oh yeah, the uh, werewolf movie. Indeed, yeah. You can only uh, trade stocks in a full moon. Oh! Bye! (laughs) Sell. Did you like uh, Wolf of Wall Street? Let me guess. You did. (laughs) I did, yes. Uh, I'd really like to see that movie Her, which I know Patrick has seen, so when I ask him how he's doing, I'm going to ask him about that movie. I think I'm going to go see that tomorrow. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to see it. Maybe I'll see it this weekend. I don't even know if it's playing... Locally yet, is it in wide release now? I think. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I think, think so. that's how I saw it. Hmm. It was just at like the Megaplex. Well, the Montreal, you know. Megaplex. Yeah, they're so they're so so much better than us. The former home of the Habs with their culture and their poutine. <laughs> Patrick Armstrong, Did... how are you this week? I'm good. Did you know that they turned like the old like the Forum. Hockey stadium into like a like a multiplex theater. I, I did not know that. It's like it's like kind of and like they sort of kept the like a lot of the HAB stuff. So it's like a kind of like a shrine. There's like a statue of uh, a bunch of famous players. It's pretty funny. Are you thinking of the movie theater famous players, or you're... you of go. the 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 players from the team? <laughs> So, Patrick, you saw the movie Her, is that correct? I did, yeah. The Spike Jones flick from this year. And how did you feel about it? Um, I thought it was good. I liked it a lot. um I mean, to be fair, I tend to like all of Spike Jones' movies. So, I'm maybe not the most uh objective observer. Like, it's like any Woody Allen movie, I'll watch it, you yeah, know, whatever. This, How do you this feel is, about uh, where the wild quite things good. are, Patrick? I thought oh, where the wild things are was okay. Okay. Uh, this I thought was really good, though. There's lots of cool, like, futuristic computer interface design. Lots of like interesting clothes. Futuristic Los Angeles looks really sweet. You know, to be honest, I didn't even know the movie took place in like a discernible future. I didn't either. I thought it was just like Siri. It's like like 50- Siri that works. It's like twenty fifty eight or something. Holy smokes, I did not realize that. Spoiler alert. I was gonna say, right. I'm not seeing it now. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Dick. Um The main character's name is like Theodore Twaddle or something. Yeah. No. Which is a little it's no. a little that's distracting. Name. But uh otherwise pretty good. Well, I'm I'm gonna check it out. I think Amy Adams wears some cool clothes in it. She's got a good style going on. Well, in the future. Yeah. It's hard to judge these future styles. You know, they come and go so quickly. Your shoes are now dry. Your jacket is now dry. But yeah, I would uh, I would recommend <laughs> it. You're thinking about seeing a movie? Go see her. And you know what? Can I make another recommendation? No, Do one it. one per show. No, let's yeah. hear it. Up. If you want to play a video game, you should get the like new Double Fine game, Broken Age. Is that in? Good. Is that in wide availability now? It is as of today, or I mean, as of last Tuesday when you're listening to this. Uh, no, there. Uh, oh, from when there? Yes, I see. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you should check it out. It's on Steam. Twenty something bucks. You should get it. Nah. Great! If you like any kind of adventure game, if you like *Salmon Max Hit the Road*, *Full Throttle*, *Grim Pendango, any of those, you should get it. Nah. Cameron, how are you doing? Probably not. <laughs> I'm doing fine. Uh, not not too much to report. I I went to a hockey game this weekend and I got a free T-shirt out of the prize cannon. Wow! So did the, did you like the cannon actually personally? get shot at you, like like a cannon cannon? Well, it's a high air pressure. Like portable bazooka that shoots rolled up t shirts to people nice mm-hmm. okay. so, if someone gets like beamed in the head well they get hit in the head by a low velocity soft piece of fabric <laughs> um Cameron, let me ask you this what What was the person who was shooting those t shirts like how would you describe that person? Um, I, well, kind of uh. Probably about medium built, average height, uh, and dressed in an orca costume and named Finn. Oh, I see. <laughs> Sexy. Because <laughs> uh, in, in the fall, I went to um uh like football game, and the guy who was shooting the T-shirts was like this gangly seventeen-year-old who looked really uncomfortable. uh and so he was just like like shooting these t-shirts but looking really awkward and uncomfortable as he was doing it it was very strange it made me almost like it made me like want him to not give me a t-shirt because he seemed so uncomfortable it was very strange and did your wish come true my wish came true nice good um yeah well that's interesting you know i i've Kind of want to see both of those movies we talked about uh for my, my other things i I kinda of want to see Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not really dying to see Wolf of Wall Street um Zoe and, saw it right yeah, Zoe saw it yeah uh pe- people like it that's good, and then it's funny, I really want to see her yet I don't know that I've like really liked any Spike Jones movie I've ever seen, so we had this conversation before though, and that you like you said you didn't, but you liked adaptation quite a bit, I mean. Quite a bit is really putting words to my mouth. It's probably it's, it's the movie of his I can like handle. I think you don't like John like... Malkovich. Or, no, no, no! I don't like being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I find that movie pretty, pretty so so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like where the wild things are. Can't stand it. Bad movie. How can you say that? I saw it. Yeah, how can you say that? But you know, what about so all those what about all those Bjork videos he directed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what about Sabotage, Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> sabotage is a sweet video. Yeah, it's uh, pretty good. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I know I'm on the outside in this group about Spike Spike don't Jones. Don't deny movies, but... Sabotage. Uh, sabotage. All right, I'll... I love the Beastie Boys. Yeah, come to your senses, man. But uh see, that's interesting because you both liked where the wild things are yeah i I overall liked it i mean i didn't i didn't like not a masterpiece or anything but i thought it was a good good movie good especially good for like a movie aimed at kids but still enjoyable for adults uh i feel like i think actually at the time i was running i attempted to run a blog where i would review various things that i did just at random. And that was one of the things I reviewed, and I seem to remember writing that I felt like the movie was neither enjoyable for adults or for children. Well, didn't he also do that um that pavement documentary? you ever see that? No, I don't know. That was pretty good uh mm-hmm. i I don't know i- fe- I feel like I can't judge him on a documentary, I guess. Anyway, this movie wasn't very similar to any of his other movies. Well, I'm interested because I really like uh, Lost in Translation, and uh, your wonderful partner, Emily, had a suggestion that someone should write uh, a paper (laughs) comparing uh, those two movies and one as being a response, uh, or I guess her as being a response to Lost in Translation. (laughs) Uh, Especially given the spousal History. Well, yeah, I I think that's the only reason why she suggested. No, Scargo, duh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. All right. Well, let's uh, let's not belabor our our movie reviews here. And I have some follow up this week. See, you thought I was going to start the show, but I'm not. I have some important follow up this week. We have two pieces of follow up. Uh, oh, item number one. Uh, we've received a little news item from a devoted listener who you might know his name is david and on this show about uh, five or six episodes ago chris young said that uh dave uh received a cool blade runner umbrella as a gift do you remember this patrick i do yeah vividly and and it's like it was yesterday it's a pretty cool umbrella am i right yeah Uh, it's awesome so anyhow, uh, Dave sent in some feedback, and he wanted it known on the record that Chris Young broke the umbrella that Chris uh, de-gifted. Um, Chris, do you have a response to this allegation? Well, see, the thing is, and I would like this on the record, he's just not, he's he's recalling this wrong or just lying, because he's a, he's a malicious person, you know, he just likes to hurt people. Um... It was at my job, he opened the door, like this little half door, it knocked over, and it, it chipped. That's, that's what happened. So you're all broke. Dave, all the time. Big baby. Big baby Dave. Dave. <laughs> all right, well, uh, there's no other way to slice that. Uh, second piece of follow-up this week, Chris Young, it's 2014. Yeah, it is. And I I, I have to admit, uh, Patrick, I don't want you to be upset, but it's all Chris Young follow-up this week. Uh, It's it's a brand new year. What is the current status of your urination ticket? I believe that was uh, moved on (laughs) to uh, collections. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Presently unpaid. Wow. Uh, Has the collections agency uh, tried to retrieve that money any further? No. Okay. Well, uh, we'll make sure to Wait. keep our devoted listeners plugged into this issue. Wait, can I just say one thing about collection agencies? Absolutely. So I just I just moved here and or like I just moved and, you know, in a new area code, so I got a new number for my cell phone. And I find every time I get a new cell phone number, the previous owner of that number always seems to be someone who did not pay their bills. It is in collections. (laughs) Uh, And so I always end up with months of collection agencies calling me, not believing that I'm not whoever they're trying to collect money from. But collection agencies now seem to have gotten lazy. Like, it's not an actual person who calls. It's like a robocall. And it says, like, if you'd like to talk about your outstanding debt, please press zero and enter your collection number that uh like your case is assigned to so like i keep getting this call every day at 10 o'clock in the morning but i can't do anything about it because i don't know this number and i tried just pressing zero getting an operator nothing so whether they try like if this happens to chris he's just gonna be like well it's just a robot i'm just gonna hang up that's or crazy. he's going to block the number on his iPhone like I did with this collection. You're supposed to say, why don't you just block the phone number? But you did, I guess. Yeah. They have like 30 phone numbers, though. I've been getting them for different numbers. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Come on, collection agencies. You're not going to get money out of Chris Young with that kind of attitude. <laughs> not like that. You might. It's like trying to squeeze urine out of the stone. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this week, I encourage you to head over to whatsthedealshow.com as I do every week and check out all the show notes and everything we have set up for this week's episode where we look at The Virgin, in which Jerry uh, finds out that a new romantic option is a virgin. George finds out that his job is good for meeting women, but is distressed that he finds himself in a relationship. Elaine tells it like it is, and uh, gets involved in some litigation, and Kramer watches some television. Patrick, with that riveting introduction, why don't you take us into this week's episode? Yeah, so we started with the monologue, and this week, Jerry is talking about relationships, specifically, ending a relationship. Talks about how it's hard to get out of a relationship so we just need a get out of relationship free card. Classic. hmm Now, I'm not gonna lie though, that does kind of sound like a great idea. I don't know how we could standardize this and make it really happen, but I think I think I'm for that. I think I'm for that too. Yeah, that'd be like going on like the Facebook relationship status and just like putting like single and that's it, right? Like it's no, over. Like it's just over. Like the other person just understands they're moving out of your apartment the whole thing because I mean it's funny uh, the rest of the joke reminded me of that classic Chris Young story where he arranges uh, a breakup with a a woman he was dating Chris uh, I'm not sure if we've talked about this in the show before but Chris was in a relationship and he went to break up with her and she suggested that they not break up just for a little while longer and Chris uh, agreed to this I did and so I kind of thought that you definitely, of all people, would really be into the idea of one of these cards. Uh, only if I can get several. <laughs> well, you get you get three, for for your life. I feel like I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, three would probably be good. You know, I'd use them wisely. And actually, it's funny because maybe we could take the uh, robocalling uh, collection agency model to the dating world. You know, when they don't. You know, in Chris's case, where the person doesn't seem to be understanding what's happening, just have the machine call them. If you hey, would like to discuss it, the, if you would like to discuss the status of your destroyed relationship, <laughs> press zero and enter your heartbreak now. <laughs> and they just call every day. I like this. <laughs> this would go well for me. I see no downsides for anybody, really. Yes, except for a callous society where no one cares about anyone but themselves. I care. This is a notice of end of relationship from <laughs> Christopher Young. Actually, I want it to be like on the... Uh, if you would where like they just to re- dispute this end, <laughs> please hang up now. And well, don't call again. I want the machine to have that like robot-y voice, except when it's the person's name and I want the person to say it. <laughs> I want it to just like cut in and be like, Christopher Young. <laughs> <laughs> and like in the background it's like his friends at the bar being like yeah man do it yeah, take that bitch. oh for, it's been a while uh, that i've had to make so many edits on a show all right um all right uh so like speaking of being out uh the first scene jerry and george are at the i guess this is at the comedy club and George's wearing a big coat for some reason indoors. Ski jacket. I guess, I guess mostly to uh, advertise his ski lift card, because women love skiers. Now, when I was younger, when I went uh, to the mountain, which was not very often to go skiing or such things, uh, I used to keep that lift ticket on forever because I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't use it to pick up women, but as like a 10-year-old, I thought it was kind of like a pretty, a pretty fancy thing. Ditto. I don't know why. You know, when I had the lift ticket, like, I took it off as soon as I could. I didn't like it on the jacket because... It was I too was... cool? No, I just, I was very, like, fastidious for, like, certain things. So, like, having that extra thing on there felt like it, like, threw the whole balance off my jacket. I wanted it off there as soon as possible. Huh. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's interesting because, I mean, like, as Chris and I both uh both felt like it was such a a cool little status thing it was badass how else are people supposed to know that you were out skiing yeah, like an awesome skier person or snowboarder if or you're really tough yeah, which we were <laughs> exceedingly tough <laughs> tough yeah. ten year olds right uh preteen Um, So, also in this scene here, when he's kind of uh, berating George about his lift ticket, Jerry points out some women and kind of sets up that, like, it's a shame you're in a relationship now. I really feel like the downfall in this episode of George is completely planted into his mind by Jerry, and I feel like almost on purpose. I feel like Mm -hmm. Jerry's basically goading this situation into, uh, into happening. Yeah, well, it's funny because George is already dating a like beautiful woman that he likes, you know. The whole thing. So like why oh, is Jerry poisoning this? Uh I really don't know actually. It's 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 strange and yet Jerry does so little. It's like George is always right on the edge and just like the little whisper, just that little hint is enough to make George just go like flying off. Mhm. Um yeah. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. It's it like it feels like Jerry's almost torturing George on purpose. Yeah, Biff. <laughs> um, yeah, and so as he points out these women, he notices that one of them he almost asked out, and he got her to come over and uh, give, I guess, a consultation on reorganizing his closet because she's in the closet business. Uh, and then Jerry lied about having to go to Berlin to see the Berlin Wall fall to avoid actually buying a closet from her. It's a good lie, by the way. Uh, it's not. It's awesome lie. Although, you know that. Uh, I'll bring it up later when it comes up. Well, no, bring it up now. Well, she says later when we find out that her boyfriend doesn't no have a boyfriend anymore, it's because he went to the Berlin Wall and never came back and you know that's a lie too you just wanted to just, you just couldn't handle Daphne anymore yeah Was there like like no virgin like her virginness and like not putting out mm-hmm. it's hard to break up with someone just like I like you everything but you won't sleep with me so this is over you know some guys just can't be real like that they need the card so it's like I gotta go to Berlin and uh, the wall and stuff I'll mm-hmm. call you I think that's what happened. And I guess he moved apartments. That's right. It's tough. Daphne, um, Daphne, the virgin. I, I mean, I, I really believed it. I just believed that he went to Berlin and never came back. Yeah, I, I assumed that, too. Nope. Oh, didn't handle Daphne anymore. See, we don't have this this kind of mind you have, Chris. You know? I feel for the guy. It's tough having, like, Daphne blue balls for, like, forever. Is it? Probably. I don't know. I mean not having sex is your default state with the entire world. Not if you're like dating someone. But I mean like a long time. I guess I guess I just feel like it it shouldn't be that big of a deal necessarily because I can understand it. I can understand it almost feeling like a kind of like rejection, you know? It's a deal breaker i'm just I'm just saying that I don't think he'd have to like pretend to have moved to another country to to get out of the situation I don't think it's I don't think it's that severe, yeah that I can agree with oh uh, I think he just didn't want to do it. it's like it's like the not wanting to break up with someone so you need the, the card to get out of a relationship card, but those don't actually exist fortunately, you know Soviet union collapsed at a ideal time for that guy. Either way, um, I actually think it was a good lie. Yeah. Um and so so Jerry like calls uh what's her actually Marla over and sends George off to to meet her friend. And uh George starts kind of bragging about uh his uh his new job. You know, he says like things like it's not a bad way to make a buck. <laughs> Uh, about writing the show, and this this woman is impressed. Yeah she um, is. I mean, I think it's a pretty cool job. Yeah, but I feel like... I mean... I feel like sitcom writer was a pretty low-status job, especially in the early 90s, like, of writers. Yeah, I feel like still... It's probably like I think people would be impressed by it, but I think being a sitcom writer is still probably like less impressive, even though you probably make more money than being like a novelist. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. So the next scene, Jerry and George, they're at the coffee shop, and Jerry's asking George if he's gonna ask her out. Uh, um. <laughs> sorry. Go, <laughs> it's just this entire scene, uh, where jerry has this like checklist for george i really feel like george must be incredibly inept if he requires a checklist for this at this point yeah well i mean especially the one like the saturday night, night date is implied you know and if you're doing every like four or five like just check up phone calls you know yeah, I mean, like he's he's, least... he's just kidding himself, right? Because I think he's I think George is basically a jerk in this situation for even thinking about ditching Susan in the first place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and the idea that he doesn't have a girlfriend is—he's is obviously got a girlfriend. I think he knew that. But I mean, George. I mean, the fact that George had to be presented with the evidence—he lies to himself so well. It's an incredible trait of George Costanza. Mhm. Because uh, like last week, we were talking about how uh, we believe that Kramer actually believes the things he's saying just because they have to be true for his world to exist. Basically, George doesn't even have to choose to believe the things; he just like he believes it before he's even thought of the lie. His brain, his brain lies so quickly that he believes himself. Like I don't know. It's 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 something else. Like I. I i love the guy i love how you're talking about his brain like it's a separate thing like the same way uh like carl pilkington does yeah i i but it's kind of like it's kind of i don't know i feel like in the world of seinfeld like say kramer it, it is almost like like the brain i guess the brain being like the person's like reason or intellect operates on a completely separate uh a separate level. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true for George. Uh I also really like in the scene how is this not amazing the situation that George has got himself into that he finally feels like he's able to like have the confidence to go and pick up any woman that he sees and yet the only way he could do it would destroy it this is george's kobayashi maru scenario <laughs> uh it's it's just and it really is like i can kind of like i can kind of put myself in his shoes and see why this would be like his ultimate nightmare because george basically aside from later when he gets a toupee has never had any confidence and it's like <laughs> for a moment he has incredible confidence mm-hmm, yeah yeah, um it's it's crazy and he he wants to resolve this situation so badly that he comes up with this insane plan where he wants her to break up with him and they can still be friends. And so his plan is that he'll run into David Letterman at NBC because Susan loves David Letterman and he'll convince David Letterman of all people to date Susan. And uh, everything will just work out Sounds reasonable to me I mean if you had David Letterman at your disposal mm-hmm. Which I think George believes he does hey, They <laughs> both work for NBC sure. Yeah absolutely uh, Okay so the next scene We're in the apartment Jerry is with Marla They're in the uh, their closet Or Jerry's closet and Marla asks Is Jerry's very fussy about his pants? Uh, he doesn't believe so He's good. She's got a radical idea A series of hooks Which really sounds like Like a Kramer idea This is the worst idea Yeah, it doesn't make any sense I have it right oh, here in my notes How could Daphne, this even work? What are you doing? This this yeah. wouldn't work at all You like, We all are aware that this wouldn't work, right? No, this is a terrible idea like if you hung up a shirt there'd be a there'd be a hook underneath of it in the way mm-hmm no terrible. bad, and terrible. I mean like I actually it's funny her job is the most plausible uh like little time job that someone could possibly have, and like potentially could run like a very successful blog. Uh, based around this like closet reorganizer and it's kinda like uh I don't know any one of those sort of blogs like uh like apartment therapy or something yeah apartment therapy thank you I was struggling to think of what it was called what's what's the other one called that they had the uh the camera app as well camera app oh uh a beautiful mess beautiful mess yes thank you uh, Yeah, I there actually... are a lot of these like lifestyle blogs yeah so like someone who has a job could do it and yet it is so Uh, ridiculous and especially at the context of like the time uh, Mm -hmm. for that job to actually exist and yet I could actually see someone like that being their job yep Uh, yeah so they get a little hot and heavy in there but then you know Marla's uncomfortable she feels like she has to leave and then Kramer arrives disturbs the whole thing He's come yeah. in there because he wants to watch TV in probably the most ridiculous storyline of this episode. Kramer has given his TV away to George, and it's an excuse for Kramer to be in the other room. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, like this, you know what, This this sounds like the kind of plot that would be in that, like, modern Seinfeld Twitter account, where it's, like, kind of plausible, but, like, not actually funny enough to be on the show yeah actually i can see that because it's it's really it's so if someone told you like if you knew enough about seinfeld and someone told you this you're like oh yeah but like when you kind of think about it for a moment especially when you're watching the episode and there's like kind of a reason for every character's motivations in this episode to be a part of the storyline and kramer essentially has none Mm -hmm. um yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really strange storyline and it's pretty it's pretty weak. Uh like it almost feels to me like the episode didn't run long enough and they needed some extra stuff in there. So they're like, "Make Kramer come in and Jerry will talk to him for 2 minutes." Yeah, it's uh it's it's not great. Uh but Jerry when he suggests that Kramer should go out uh, and not just watch TV. Kramer has a great line. He says, there's nothing for me out there. <laughs> uh, which I think is great. Like, the whole world, there's nothing. He just wants TV. Pretty good. Well, what else could there be? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually some good jokes in general in this this whole like this scene. Like, the radical idea about a series of hooks on the wall is a good joke. there's nothing for me out there joke is pretty good and uh jerry at one point says to marla you must have been devastated for being left for a wall uh which is not something a human would ever say to another human but is a great joke uh yeah it's it's a really good joke and it's a really strange thing to say to someone absolutely especially when they're all like snuggled in in the closet Mm -hmm. yeah uh, I do really like the joke in the scene, though, about the Snapple, as uh, people kind of come and go, and Marla begins to reveal her terrible secret. People keep uh, offering people Snapple out of the fridge. I didn't really understand that. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, it made me want a Snapple. Now, I definitely wanted a Snapple. <laughs> so I've... <I> can, <laughs> Does I can Snapple get still that. exist? Oh, of course. Oh yeah, Snapple's it's big with the kids. Well, I don't Maybe know yeah. about that, but... Maybe I'll go down to the corner store and get a Snapple. Yeah, why not? There's one thing I know. It's what the kids are into these days. And it's all... It's all Rihanna and Snapple. (laughs) Uh, But I liked... uh, as you guys are probably familiar with Arrested Development, there's that joke on Arrested Development where they're like talking about how Hollywood uh, like screen settings are so detailed, and then in that scene they like open up a cupboard and there's just a single cup in there. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what this reminded me of, because they're offering her this Snapple, but there's just one Snapple in that fridge. Mm-hmm. Why is everyone offering this one Snapple to someone? Like Elaine offers it away and then drinks it. I don't know. I thought it was really strange. Uh, and I don't really know that I get the joke either. Yet, I I, I did laugh. A ringing What's endorsement. Snapple's tasty. This episode of What's the Deal is brought to you by the Dr. Pepper Group and Snapple. Now, I know you guys have had some drinks before, you know, from those other guys. I'm not going to say their name, but you know who they are. Mm. But say you want something really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Snapple's made with responsive design, so it works on even your mobile browser. <laughs> you get the full drink anywhere. Um, yeah, and so so Snapple Elaine comes... was uh, first introduced at an event apart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so so Elaine comes in after Kramer leaves, after Jerry shoots him out, and tells the story she was at this crazy party was talking to this guy and laid her bag down and her diaphragm uh, flew out. She says that Marla will appreciate the story. This makes Marla so uncomfortable, she leaves. And Elaine is that uncomfortable because she, you know, she doesn't want to be anti-virgin. Now, I mean, what did you think about Marla's reaction to this story? First of all, I remember being like a kid the first time this episode came on and being and making the just, like, unbelievably fatal mistake, Mom, what's a diaphragm? hmm And then she explained it to me. And then her first flew open. Yeah, and I'm still, like I, like, I don't know. Is the diaphragm still a popular use of contraception among women today? I've never known any girls that use a diaphragm. I don't know how popular it is, but it definitely still exists. And I guess it's just something you put in when you want it. I don't know. Well, as of two thousand and two, city where the old one got her diaphragm stuck up there. Where is up there? What are are we talking about? Like it got like in a like on the top 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 shelf of a pantry. Yeah, on top of the fridge. Oh, that could be very frustrating. Yeah, yeah, especially because you know sometimes it's hard to get into the fridge. So, uh, as of 2002, only 0.2 percent of American women were using a diaphragm as their primary method of contraception. 0. 0.2. So, if you're in the diaphragm business, you know, time to find another business. I suppose so. Um, like, have you guys, have you guys actually ever looked at a picture of what a contraceptive diaphragm looks like? No, let's take a look. It uh, when it, I was it Looks kind school, of like a suction cup. Yeah, when I was, in, it looks kind of like. Uh, like a, a condom before you roll it out, but but much bigger. Yeah, when I was in school, actually, like when we did like the like health class, uh, they like showed oh, a diagram. Yeah, look at that. Oh, Sam, so look at these diagrams. You didn't understand how they worked, Chris. I thought it was backwards. Like it was just kind of like a like a Jimmy like hat. you wore it on the outside. Yeah. No, but like <laughs> I figured, you know, I figured it would be, uh, concave, outwardly concave. Like it's, so, it's, it's like a Jimmy hat for the cervix. Yes. Yeah. Whereas I thought it was, it was more kind of like a outside, like a like a like a stopper cup, you know, or anything coming this in. Is- This is good, we're learning about contraception Yeah We're laughing The only only way to be 100% sure Is to be abstinent
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I guess This episode is also brought to you by abstinence Uh Just so you know kids You can Contract syphilis From not having sex Alright so It's not a good reason not to have sex um, also, uh, only wear a condom if you really want to have some kind of boring sex. You know, don't be don't be lame. You only live once. So Elaine leaves to go prove to Marla she's not anti virgin. George comes in. He's not comfortable deflowering a virgin, so they decide to order Chinese. <laughs> see, they flower? Do they see yeah. deflower flower in the in the show? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think they do. I think that was just just the mind of Patrick Armstrong. That was my it's rhetorical this, flourish. There's this drawing of a woman inserting her diaphragm. It looks like it's supposed to be like instructional. And yet they've got like her shirt drawn wide open. Like it should like it's it's supposed to be arousing in the diagram. I don't understand it. Diagram for the diaphragm. Uh I guess you're supposed to put some spermicidal lube inside of it, too. It seems like a whole process to go through. I can't believe that you weren't on the show last week. So, (laughs) (laughs) next, we have Elaine and Marla having a talk. More or less about the birds and the bees, but it's the (laughs) Elaine is Extremely Jaded version. Let me ask you this. When it comes to the birds and the bees, who did you always assume were the birds? I didn't get this talk in the like literal sense where they used birds and bees. But as I mean, it. you've or... grown up. Everyone's grown up knowing that 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 you know, birds and the bees. Which you know, even as a kid, I was like, they can't have sex together. But when it comes to you know, birds and the bees, which gender is which uh, animal? Is the birds and the bees the idea that they're connected? I always assumed that it was like birds give birth to an egg because that's not uncomfortable and bees, like, promenade a flower. Like, I always assumed they were, like, separate things. I assumed that the insects were doing it with the bees. or with I, I assumed that the birds and the bees were doing it together and it was just a bad metaphor. But uh-huh. at the same time, I, always, I did. I did sort of ascribe one gender to each animal. You didn't so do that. Uh, no, <laughs> Cameron, did you? Absolutely not. What? Because that's not what it is. There sure it is. You're not. It's a, like, it's no, like you're old the enough birds now are... to learn about. You're old enough now to learn about how bees are just sticking it to to the birds and stuff. <laughs> but that's not. The... <laughs> and you know, nature is confusing, son. So wear a condom. Did did you literally get the talk as if the birds and the bees were copulating, like that they were together? No, I got the talk based on a remark that I made during uh, during cures, where I I wondered if Diane was a virgin. Um, <laughs> you yeah. had such an interesting childhood. <laughs> but I mean, come on, uh, everyone's heard of the birds and the bees. I know, but it's just I... an it's just an idiomatic expression. I know, but I mean. But if the birds and the bees is because when parents give the talk, they usually either, they used to, like, talk about bees, or they would talk about birds, because they were, like, obvious metaphors and ways to talk about it, so you'd, like, so bees... Any of this is obvious. Bees pollinating, birds, nest, eggs, like, it's because those two things were the common way of explaining sex. It wasn't because birds were having sex with bees. I think you're wrong. <laughs> Chris, I mean, Cameron, you're blowing Chris's mind right now. <laughs> Chris still thinks that this is how this works. Yeah! birds the bees. Where else does honey come from, guys? That's right. Um, so... Okay, speak- but just which one did you think it was? We didn't think this. Which one did you <laughs> think it was, Chris? See, the thing is, everyone, you know, you hear, like, you know, girls referred to as birds. Um... Like by English people. Um But I still thought the birds were the guys. I don't know. Now, I mean, not that I think that your uh idea makes any sense at all in the first place, but why are the birds the guys? <laughs> I just liked the birds more, I think. And they seemed like they'd have you know, they'd be the dominant one in the relationship with the bees. So you know, you're I, you're into standard standard relationships sort of stereotypes. I just didn't want to be the small one. But I mean, isn't the bee kind of like the seemingly obvious choice for the male because it has like the stinger? It's kind of like that sort of yeah, that I mean, phallic that sort of there's thing. There's valid arguments on either side, Cameron. Is that one bird nesting? You know, birds are bigger and they fly. Well, I mean, so the bees. Birds fly better. <laughs> well, Chris, Men I'm sure you'll figure better. it all at one time. I'm sure you. I'm sure you'll figure figure this all out. You'll meet a nice lady. You'll have her over. You'll hand her a flower.
1: I'll one give of you. business.
0: One of you will pollinate it. <laughs> Chris will go and lay an egg. This is just like the when you found out about the chicken egg thing all over again. Wait, what? Apparently he's already forgotten that lesson. <laughs> forget lots of lessons. So speaking of lessons... What chicken egg thing? Elaine... <laughs> <On, lane>. <laughs> No, no, no! Yeah. Don't gloss over this. <laughs> what do you mean? What happened with Elaine? Oh. So Elaine is giving her world-weary, uh, like, tales of like, over. how men react. You know, before and after sex. You know, she's got it all figured out. I feel like they really kind of left money on the table by not making Elaine really drunk here. <laughs> uh that would have been like a pretty great sort of like sight gag but i don't think we've had any sort of uh drunkenness with any of the characters on seinfeld thus far have we mm, yeah that's a good point i don't remember anyone being drunk uh like it definitely happens later on but at this point it doesn't happen at all basically uh, although it is funny because when chris was saying how this kind of reminds him of like parents giving the talk uh elaine is like the worst parent here in the world they're giving them like uh the jaded life sparks notes basically yeah absolutely um Um, yeah but that is a great idea i didn't even think about that that would have been really great if elaine was just like a little tipsy in this scene mm -hmm. um so yeah uh The next scene we cut to back of the apartment, Jerry and George, they're, you know, sitting, they're writing. George comes up with this, you know, the famous like a butler idea, you know, you know, there's this guy, he gets in a car accident uh, with George. He's uninsured. Judge orders the guy to be his butler. He's reasonable. What do you guys think about that idea, like, in and of itself, as sort of like a pilot idea? Like, Chris, uh, you know, you've been known to write. What do you think about this idea? Um... I think... I think almost certainly... I feel like this idea probably came to them because this was, like, a pitch someone made at NBC at some point. Like, Like, this sounds like such a terrible awful contrived idea, but at the same time it's like I don't know, like, uh you know, you've got a mother and her kid and they need a house sitter. And so some guy reads like some uh, some story in the paper and moves him and his daughter across the country to come live there and then he convinces him to live with them and so he can be, you know, the live in the live in house sitter. And that sounds the same. It's who's the boss. Like it's there's, there's so many stupid sitcoms that sound like this mm-hmm. but you know so you you're not you're not in love with the idea is what you're saying i'm not saying i wouldn't watch this show <laughs> <laughs> cuz i actually think inherently the idea isn't that bad but it's actually it's like a good idea for a mini story arc of a different show not a show in and of itself here's the thing about this idea it sounds very british Oh, it does too, and it's you know what's kind of funny about that. When I was imagining this, all Fran Drescher was on this show. Yeah, right. Like you, because you got to imagine the butler has like a like a a tux on the whole time. What character is Fran Drescher playing? I I wasn't sure. I don't know who she was going to be on the show. She would be a member of that show. Yeah, she'd be involved. Yeah, it's another one. The nanny, exactly. Right, like Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, I, I don't know why, but it sounds British, and it sounds like a sitcom I've seen, or all of them, uh, but, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Uh, quick, pop quiz, how old is Fran Drescher? 80. Okay, 80. Patrick, your guess? 58. Pretty close, she is. Uh, 56.com. 56.com. She's 56 years old. And I said 56.com because as I was looking at this, Fran uh, FranDresher.com is uh, owned by some sort of like unscrupulous domain squatter. And the preview on Google has order Cialis, no RX. Time effect of take four for daily purchase. <laughs> if you click on it, it uh, quickly links you, uh, redirects you to top-md-store.com. That's what I always think of when I think of Fran Drescher. Cameron, I'm going to need you to do me a favor and send me that link. (laughs) And uh, preferably some photos of Fran Drescher. Oh, God. Uh, So further in this scene, uh, Elaine appears because she's the reason why the food order was delayed.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, She comes
0: into the apartment with a broad Asian stereotype. uh, Yeah, and I was going to say, and in comes Ping, who all the characters seem to know, but we've never seen. And uh, he's a stereotypical Chinese man. He's a layered character. (laughs) Yes, uh, many layers. The the face and the accent. Two layers. I think he's played by Mickey Rooney. (laughs) Yeah, there's some weird jokes in the scene. Like, George is... Uh, most concerned that the food wouldn't arrive. And it turns out only the pea pods that uh, Kramer ordered arrived. And uh, yeah, eventually Ping decides he's going to sue Elaine for jaywalking in front of him, causing him to crash into a car. Now, did you guys feel like the obvious sort of thing that was happening here is they were trying to show that Jerry's life is already a sitcom? Is they're all yelling at each other? Or was I just reading it to that too much? I had not considered that. Yeah, I didn't consider that either. It's it seemed like that was like clearly what they're trying to indicate, but seeing as how neither one of you saw it, I guess uh I have no idea what I'm talking about. I mean I I mean that's possible. We could just be kinda dim, right? <laughs> Very possible. What's the chicken or the egg story? We talked about this on the show. If people want to listen to it, they can go back to episode number uh, 45, I think it is. Oh my god. Was I on the show? Yes. Uh... You you didn't understand how chickens and eggs worked. What? (laughs) Oh my god, it is. It's happening all over again. We can't do this again. Is Chris in just some, like, fugue state when he's on the show? (laughs) Like... He starts. He like starts up <laughs> Skype, and then he closes it, and he's like, "Wait, what just happened?" <laughs> so, to hey, be honest, did you learn about fugue state from Breaking Bad? No, I haven't really watched much uh, Breaking Bad. I've only seen the first couple episodes. <sighs> so, you know, being honest, okay. <laughs> um. So, if anyone, including Chris, is interested in knowing what he said on this show, you can go back to episode forty-three. Everyone know Yo-Yo Ma where uh, Chris finds out about how chickens and eggs work. Remember where the chicken's egg where the egg comes out of the chicken? <laughs> I don't remember entirely, but this is ringing a bell. Okay. So, speaking of ringing a bell, I'm going to have to that episode now. I want to know again. Jerry and George, they're at NBC. They have no idea the whole idea of this meeting that they're having at NBC is that they just pitch an idea for an episode before they actually write it. And, uh, they just need one good idea and they do not have any. So George starts coming up with ideas to fake, you know, just various ailments or problems to get out of the meeting. <sighs> yes, yeah, so uh, George's incredible ideas, uh, probably the highlight of them all, is to say that his sister is dead or has been wounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, shot very recently. Yeah, she got shot for laughing. And what's wrong with people in this city? It's a sick city and he's just shouting. And yet, while all this madness was going on, I couldn't help but see uh, all the posters of different shows around them much like in the last episode, but they've changed over the posters to promote some other uh, TV shows on NBC. And Leap. So I was going to say, I really liked the Quantum Leap poster up there, but the show I had never heard of, and the picture just was very odd, was the show called Sisters. Mm-hmm. And they're all sitting around, and it, I, I looked into it. It was actually on the air for six years. They had 130 episodes of this show. Um, I have never heard of that show. I, I was going to say, and I had never heard of it. Sisters? Uh, yeah. And it, it was kind of funny because it was like one of the first like big shows where it, it focused completely on like women and women's issues. And so it was like uh, I'm trying to remember the Wikipedia article, but ba- basically that it was like a demographic sort of like hit and they you know, it just stayed on for ages. So maybe that's maybe that's uh why we don't know anything about it because we weren't women in the early nineties. Mm. True, I wasn't. <laughs> uh but you know, that does sound pretty like it sounds like a pretty big deal show, you know? It kind of sounds like maybe like a a forebear. One of sex sisters, in the sisters one of the sisters was Harrison Ford's wife. In the fugitive. Which sister? The, the kind of hot one. Cecil Ward. Who's this one? She looks kind of mannish. Uh, well, she was in signs and stuff. She looks like she's had a different, not terrible career. There's no photos of her. So, uh, who does George see, Patrick? So, George, he sees uh David Letterman. Yeah, and does. so he runs after him oh, and so the just senses in it. And just after he runs after Letterman, uh Jerry gets called into the office. So now Jerry is alone. He has to pitch this episode. And you know there's there's a change cuz Russell's not there. Uh, apparently there's a problem on the set of Blossom in LA. So he has to go put that fire out this. And so there's this uh, woman whose name I didn't write down. Uh, she's standing in for him and uh, she seems like equally like tough with the writers as, uh, as Russell is. So Jerry pitches an actual episode of Seinfeld, uh, the like Chinese restaurant episode. Yeah. And is obviously nervous. They're not impressed. That he basically describes nothing happening on screen, aside from waiting. Yeah, I mean, like, they're not impressed in the slightest. mm They want not hear anything else. Like, no one even has any follow-up questions. Yeah, no one, like, thinks of a way it could be funny. It's just terrible. And they say that's it. So then he pitches George's butler story, and he can't get through the whole story without them all cracking up. They love it. They dig it. Yeah, they're, they're lapping it up. And actually... When they're uh, in the middle of just hooting and hollering at this joke, I had to say I was pretty impressed with their casting of the Stooge uh, executives in this moment, because they're perfect Stooges in this scene. Yeah, everything about them, like their costume and their hair, everything. Yeah, and it's almost like as soon as... uh, Boy, we should have remembered what this lady's name was. But as soon as the uh, replacement uh, executive showed up, uh, as soon as she starts to laugh... The Stooges are in full-on laugh mode. Yeah. Like, they can hardly believe their luck. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: They're amazing Stooges. Uh, And then, of course, it's all capped off by George. Mm -hmm. Uh, When George comes in and he says, like, hi and kind of bombs out with the replacement executive in the same sort of way that he uh, bombs out with Russell. uh, I thought that was a pretty clever little nod uh, because like I don't know if you guys remember when George tries to spell Russell's last name for him. <laughs> it's like George's attempt at a party trick at a meeting. And he comes in and he tries to be just as like schmarmy uh with this lady, and it it almost works uh it it almost goes over more poorly than it did with Russell the first time he met him. Uh like she's not impressed by George in the slightest. No, no one has anything to say about that. No, uh, I totally agree with you. It's uh, it's a good touch. Um. But yeah, uh, George, you know, as he comes in, he's he's excited by this whole thing. And, you know, he shakes everyone's hand and he kisses Susan immediately from this executive. Susan gets daggers. Uh but you know, George doesn't notice anything. The rest of the pitch goes well. And it's done, you know? Not They're literal daggers, good. audience. Just so you know, that would have been a, quite a twist. It was a it was a common expression they used there. Uh oh, hopefully cool. I was I was hoping people would understand. Well it's like the birds and the bees. Chris is confused now. <laughs> um so there's a there's Which one's the, the boy. I thought you were going to say which one's the chicken. <laughs> uh, so, the next scene, they're back at the apartment. Everyone's thrilled. Uh, you know, the pitch went so well, they can write this episode. They're going to have their pilot. Things are good. But Susan calls. She's fired. George feels terrible and is thrilled. <laughs> Does George feel terrible at all? George doesn't feel terrible. Well, I don't feigns, think George feels anything. He any... feigns feeling. He feigns feeling terrible while he's on the phone. Now I can't believe like that she could be fired for that. Where are the labor laws to protect this woman? Yeah, like um, I, I actually... can see it as being like an ethics violation, like a like a conflict of interest between NBC and like a pilot, right? I guess Uh, I don't know It's just like nothing really Has been indicated thus far That this was like some sort of like forbidden romance Because honestly I think if it was I think that would make George like it all the more Yeah Yeah and also I can't imagine Susan Not letting him know That You know nobody knows about it Yeah and that's like a thing that you know They can't can't and shouldn't be be doing like Susan's a very uh very smart uh she's a smart she's a smart woman. She knows what she's doing. She can't oh, she's be that smart, she's George. Well, well I mean <laughs> matters of the heart, you know, your brain's not really doing the dot, thing. Dot, the heart before the brain. Yeah. Pearls before swine. Chris, pearls don't come from pigs. <laughs> uh and so anyway George is he's excited cuz he thinks he's out of this relationship but Jerry explains that he can't break up with her. Now but George and he's he's uh upset. I I already know what his answer is going to be and I'm going to ask both of you but I'll ask Chris first. Chris can George break up with Susan in this scenario yes or no? I mean to uh, surprise y'all and say no, you shouldn't. You can't really do it. I'm blown away. Yeah. I mean it's not really a surprise from you, Chris, given your story about you know, planning a future date to break up with someone. Yeah, it's tough to break up with people. This is not a good this is not a good time to break up with her. Cameron, what do you think? Um, I mean, I don't think, (laughs) I don't think that he probably should, but I mean, on the other hand, maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm reading into this too much, but maybe it's best not to, like, basically continue to date someone out of, like, pity, though. No, you gotta give it some time. You just can't do a one-two punch. That sucks that you lost your job By the way Yeah you gotta I'm gonna need my quantum leap DVDs back (laughs) I agree that you shouldn't date someone Out of pity But I mean I think at the same same time right? Like Like you have to like Consider that person's feelings You know and their mental state You know I mean, he doesn't have to like whoop it up. Just tell her he's going to Berlin. That's right. Wall's coming down, baby. I I I value honesty in a relationship. Hmm. I mean, because like, I don't know. It's not like when Susan dies. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, so I, I take it you're kind of uh, along with Chris here that he should continue to date Susan as like a penance or something, or to like help her out. I don't know. Give it another week. You know, yeah. something. Well, I'm not saying he wasn't going to break up with her then and there, but I feel like he has no. Like... He wanted to go with this woman, this other woman. He wants to break up with her as soon as possible. Yeah, and I, I think that he probably. Well, I think that. Like, one week is basically as soon as possible. Like, I think, you know, you give it, like, a week, and then he could break up with her. Because Jerry... Because I'm going on the assumption that you guys are agreeing that he has to date her until she gets a new job. No. No. Hell no. Because that's what Jerry said. Just give her a little bit of a buffer. Like, both things in the same... But you know what? Maybe it's better if both things are on the same day. You know, like a Band-Aid. Right off. (laughs) I get that argument, but still... Stuff. Because like just think like think if that happened to you. Like one week you're fired from your job. The next week your boyfriend breaks up with you. But if on the same day you're fired from your job and your boyfriend breaks up with you, it's just one traumatic event instead of a series. So instead of wanting to kill yourself in a week, right away.
1: Yeah, why waste
0: the time? <laughs> um What's the Deal show does not advocate that in any way or form. No. Um, all right. So the next scene, Jerry and Marla are kissing in the closet. Jerry's getting close to closing the deal. But Marla, she's curious. She asks, is Jerry going to leave afterwards? Like all he, men he do. He lives there. Uh, so she's got, you know, her mind is poisoned by Elaine's cynicism. And, you know, eventually she gets uncomfortable and she leaves. Uh, it's, it is something else. Uh, (laughs) I don't even understand. I can't even begin to actually understand what they're doing with this character that, I understand that she's a virgin but she's like 30 something years old are we to believe that she is this naive about the world Mm. yes we are okay like she spends all her time in closets (laughs) that is true that is very true um but i I felt like this scene is funny but it's like it's like elaine has her like under her control Mm mm-hmm um okay, so she leaves, then the next scene, they're back at that club. Elaine and Jerry are having a drink. Elaine's being sued by Ping. And uh George is not impressing this woman about his writing a sitcom. I think the best part of the scene is the laugh the two like well, first the way like when George explains that he's writing a pilot for a sitcom woman like scoffs and shouts over at her friend who is sitting at the bar and tells him this line, and they both laugh so loudly it's pretty good it is yeah. good, but man these ladies are mean stone cold in the comedy club no yeah. kidding, yeah what kind of guys are they expecting to pick up in a comedy club? not gonna have your yes. uh Wall Street guys there. Well, not the type that don't like to laugh, at least. hmm And let me ask you this about the, you know, before we uh, dive into the little outro here. So Elaine is talking to Jerry at the beginning of this scene, and she is just kind of chewing the fat, and then at the end mentions that Ping is suing her. Would that not be the first thing you'd tell somebody who was there for the event, that you're being sued? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh seems like kind of a thing to say. It seemed really strange that she would be like, oh, and guess what? <laughs> I'm being sued. That that's definitely the number one item. Anyhow. <laughs> um Yeah, so uh the monologue wraps up with some more uh like B minus monologue from Jerry. Uh he's talking about how in ancient cultures a sacrifice a virgin, it's exactly true. How many, like, I mean, I feel like you know, anthropologists in the audience, please let us know. Yeah, there been... Megan, yeah, Megan, what's up, Megan? You know, she's listening to the show now. I know, well, she's gonna take a while for her to catch up, but listen, future Megan. If you could give us some follow-up as to whether or not there were actually any cultures that sacrificed virgins, specifically by either sacrificing them to volcanoes or giant apes, that would be helpful. Wait, you know what? I think I've heard about a culture that did that. I watched this movie called King Kong. I think it was a documentary. I <laughs> uh, just made that joke. What? I'm... Di- I'm... I'm... <laughs> I'm yeah, building just, on your just keep backing off my joke. Yeah, you're taking my babies now. I'm yes ending you. <laughs> I mean, I have Ow, no. Idea. I just hurt my tooth. <laughs> it's a yes really big and... glass. Uh, yes, and and I went to drink some. It's it's like this novelty-sized double pint thing. And it's heavy, and I hit my tooth uh, sounds funny. Do I sound echoey like this? No, you sound normal anyhow i I searched for the word "version" on the human sacrifice Wikipedia page, and uh doesn't doesn't really seem to be in there so uh, I guess we'll have to have some follow up for next week on this. I feel like this is like an urban myth this is a this is a cliffhanger is what this is mm-hmm um. Did you guys notice in his uh, outro, uh, he mentioned Chuck Woolery? Did Did either one of you guys know who that is? I have no idea. I don't think I do either. Uh, he was the host of The Dating Game. Uh, yeah, I kind of assumed it was something like that. So, uh, Chris Young, this episode as a whole, what do you think? Pretty good. It was okay. <laughs> Pretty good. It was okay. Uh Patrick in Armstrong? Daphne. I just I kept forgetting that Daphne was in you know more than one episode. Yeah, she's in three episodes, I think. God, it takes a long time to steal a deal with this girl. Uh unless you're a Kennedy. Hello. Spoiler. Junior. Uh Patrick Armstrong, your thoughts? Um I thought it was pretty good. You know, there were some pretty good jokes. It certainly wasn't as good as the opera, which we talked about last week. And I don't think it's as good. I mean, obviously not as good as the next episode. Like the, it's it called? The deal? The contest? The contest, yeah. Only the most famous Seinfeld episode? So, but it's yeah. apparently not the next episode. That's what I thought, too. No, it is. Cameron? Yeah, of course it's the next episode so wow why was i confused earlier then because i lied to you about what the next episode was you son of a <gasps> but but i but it was it was a clear joke it was one of those jokes we do on the show Yeah, guess what i don't get jokes all the time cameron <laughs> yeah i don't know I, it was a b a solid b episode what do you think cameron uh, i mean this is much like uh jerry's intro and outro this is a b minus episode if I was giving it a rating. I it's, just couldn't handle the idea of her closet her her closet ideas were terrible, just not all enough, those hooks not enough happens, not enough happens uh it was It's a great setup for next week's episode, but you know Elaine doesn't really have much of a story. uh Kramer has no story at all. Jerry and George kind of bounce around a bit, but everything's just a vehicle for them to pitch the show idea uh it's. It's not standout. You know, what I don't understand about the Kramer watching TV thing is it's totally unnecessary. Kramer likes to hang out there all the time anyway. They don't need an excuse. It's true. Get out of here. Yeah. That's a very good point, actually. It's an amazing point. <laughs> uh, which actually reminds me that Listen up folks. Head on over to what's the deal so you can check out this week's other business. And Patrick Armstrong, why don't you introduce to us this week's other business topic? Yeah, so uh, I was I've heard about these things for a while. Um, but I was You know, like, my memory was refreshed recently when I heard that they were planning on on opening a cat cafe in Montreal, uh, I don't know, sometime in the future, uh, like this spring. Now, are you guys aware of what a cat cafe is? No, I I must admit, I am familiar with it. I've I've never heard of them springing up in North America, but I know that they uh, begun life in Japan. Yeah, uh, so I guess they started in Japan and they're kind of spreading all over the place. Like my my uh, brother Mark lives in South Korea and he, he recently went to a cat cafe there. And the basic idea is it's just like a cafe, like you, you can get tea or coffee or whatever there. But also they have like 30 cats just hanging around. And so you can go there and get coffee or tea and pet the cats uh and you can do stuff like you can you can buy chick like a little like a box of chicken you can feed them little pieces of chicken and uh then all the cats like you if you do that yeah now that would actually really i i i didn't even think about this until you mentioned it but that's kind of a problem what if somebody else buys the chicken you've paid for your time in the cat room with your tea or coffee and all the cats are swarming you know the person with the box of chicken Well, that's the thing that happens. Like, apparently, like, my brother and his wife, my brother and his wife, they're sitting there drinking coffee at a table. And, you know, it must have felt like being like the ugly kid at like the high school dance, like they were sitting there drinking their coffee. None of these cats are approaching them. You know, they paid their like 15 bucks or whatever to go to this cafe and so then they're like, what are we doing wrong? And then they see these people with these little boxes of chicken. They see on the menu, you know, like $1 by a little box of chicken. So did they buy all chicken? All of a sudden, yeah, they bought it. Tons of cats. Sort of like swarm. Were them. they all friendly cats? I mean, I don't think uh, not friendly cats would last too long in one of these cafes. You gotta wonder what the vetting process is like to get into the, the cat cafe. Well, they submit a resume and a cover letter. Yeah. Or, I mean, if they're an academic. Audition. It's maybe like some sort of weird casting couch thing going on. If they're an academic cat, they submit a full CV. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I really like the idea, though. I I like the idea of a place where you could go and, you know, like hang out with some animals if you wanted. I already have one. I was going to say, so like a little puppy place, that would be kind of nice. Although problem with the Puppy Cafe is, like, pee and poop. Yeah, you're going to have pee and poop all over the place with the Puppy Cafe. I'm actually kind of surprised that there's one opening up in North America, because I feel like there must be all sorts of regulations in place that would make it incredibly difficult to open up a cafe that's full of, like, domestic animals. Yeah, I was wondering about that, too, but apparently... um Like, I don't know that, uh, that, like, they've, like, gotten approval. Like, they just have plans for it. So, I don't know. Like, they have an Indiegogo campaign to do it. So, I don't know, like, if he's going to get, like, the, uh, like, regulatory. Appeal to do it, but he's trying to raise forty thousand dollars to get the animals and necessary materials. Right, I so if, like, this, if this, this falls through, he's eight... just going to be a cat hoarder. Yeah, yeah I mean, I guess. Oh, like I can link to the story. It's in French, unfortunately, um, but uh, I guess I could link to his Indiegogo. I'll link to that. There you go. Um, he's going to call it Café Chat Bleu which he means like Café Happy Cat. Oh, the Indiegogo is also in French, whatever. How close is he to being funded? He's got uh, $6,000 of his $40,000 goal. He's got 45 days left. Today's the first day. Well, he's already more successful than 3D Babies. Yeah, it looks like he's going to... 3D Babies? Oh, you missed a doozy last week, Chris. You should have been here. Mm. It looks like he's going to do it like... You can bid ten dollars, and you get a free Cat. heart drink, oh. uh, a pastry, and uh, a personalized like keychain for your. Uh... Oh, it's in English and French, so uh, no fears. Um, but yeah, if you go all the way up to one thousand dollars, the gold contributor, you get a like gold plate by the door with your name as a sponsor cat sponsorship for a year and pre-opening cafe events oh my i'm not Do gonna I lie s- that's pretty that's pretty tame in terms of donating a thousand dollars i guess so but i, mean, I was gonna say it's that's fifteen, 15 enticing like... <laughs> <laughs> is it <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a golden <laughs> plate by the door so it's not yours uh, a cat sponsor who knows what that means and so you couple... get to turn around the life of some impoverished it's like big brothers but for cats are you trying to tell me it's gonna be some cat off the streets in there no way it's gonna be all those prissy downtown cats they have nine thousand likes on facebook already it's gonna be a bunch of cats that they're hiding their visas from from Russia. Well, they're temporary foreign worker cats. Yeah. <laughs> so do you do you think you would go to one of these, Chris? They're just trying to get their cat families to have kind of money to get the cat families over to Canada. Yeah, I probably would. No, yeah, probably. Well, well, how much would you pay? Right, so you can't. Just what? Buy- no, I wouldn't do the stupid Indiegogo thing. No, I but, mean, like, what no. would you pay? Like, when you go to the store, how much it's, do you like, think is reasonable? Because it's not just like you buy a coffee and then you're in there and then you can leave or whatever. You actually pay yeah, for like a certain amount of time. What? Oh, then no, I wouldn't do it. But if it was just like a coffee shop with nice cats, I would go to that. So you wouldn't pay like $15 and then you can be in there for half an hour plus it includes like a coffee? What if you no. like had to buy a drink and like the drinks are like 50 cents more than a regular cafe? Yeah, that's fine. But I mean, that's would not how have- it's going to work. I don't know. It's, it's now. Really, it it other if 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 I would, I would, I would, I would, I would strongly consider it if it were dogs. Strongly. In fact, I, I would go. I would Hello, go. IndieGoGo. What is uh, what is this man's name? Let's send him a suggestion. Chris Young's down. If it's dogs, yeah. Let's start yeah. a start a separate campaign. Yeah. Cafe Happy Dog. Yeah, Cafe Happy Dog. Love it would you go to this uh cameron uh i don't know i i like the idea right like i wouldn't mind going but my problem is more that i don't really want to pay like an additional fee much like chris Hmm. yeah what if it was like a one dollar fee maybe I, a, I, would, I would i would be willing a to charge like, on my on my drink yeah i i wouldn't mind going just to try it out because that sounds nice but you know i already own two cats that are costing me more than a surcharge of one dollar each yeah hmm. you know i'm I'm already making use of it i i think it's pretty great i would probably like to go but you know on the other hand i'm also allergic to cats So to go into a place where there's, like, 30 cats might be a mistake. Oh, you know what? Apparently they've also already talked to the, like, Ministry of, like, uh, uh, like, Health and Safety for Restaurants in Quebec. So it looks like they, like, have dealt with all these sanitary things. Patrick, you don't get a golden plate. It's just, like, a little, like, plaque. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, a golden, like, plate on the wall. I thought you meant like a dinner plate. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> all right. All right then. All right. I'm not going. You're it's not open. going? Uh, I don't know. Ask me when they open one up in Victoria. I would go, but it's it's more as a curiosity. I feel like if this after this opens in Montreal, it's spreading all over North America. Perhaps I mean, I like this guy's uh, poorly subtitled video. Mm-hmm. Cat's benefits are not to prove anymore. Uh yeah. I th- I feel like you know, English is obviously not his first language. I like how for $20, uh all you're doing is doubling up on the $10 reward perk, the Pause Gourmande. Well, you get a hot or cold drink your choice yeah (laughs) they got it all uh so patrick uh you know it was your topic why don't you uh close out our conversation on cat cafe well i think i think i'm probably gonna end up going to this cafe once it (laughs) when once it opens just because like how can i not you know like take devo my dog. I don't think I'm gonna take my dog. I feel like he's not gonna be allowed. That would be amazing um, if you had like a guide dog, so they had to let your dog in there. Oh my god. Monty um. Up. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I just have to go. Like even if like it's like, like honestly, like being in a place with like thirty cats kind of grosses me out. It seems like a cat hoarder type thing, and it feels unsanitary. Certainly, there's gonna be thirty cats. I don't know, something like that if you look at videos i'll send you a video of uh like a, uh like of a cat cafe um in japan and like there's a lot of cats i mean i was yeah. reading about in japan recently uh a penguin cafe and they have penguins there what really? yeah i'll go, go to a penguin cafe i'll uh i'll put the I'll send you guys the link, we'll put it in the show notes. But uh yeah, Penguin Penguin Cafe. Uh it sounded too crazy to be real, and then I saw it. And it is most definitely real. Oh, I'm getting the getting the beach ball in the browser there. Classic uh classic Google. Uh Penguin Cafe Japan. Uh yeah, and so there's yeah, there's just just penguins in there. It's it's a it's a really strange thing. I actually can't I couldn't believe that it was real a cat cafe sounds kind of like something that would be in a like science fiction movie oh, or book so uh it's actually a penguin bar it's not a penguin cafe um so you can get drunk with the penguins well and what's what's really strange is that uh they're really popular and so they're starting to spring up i think there's like four or five of them now uh yeah here we go the I like the uh, headline of this article. It's, Japan has too many penguin bars. <laughs> uh, and I mean, like, it looks pretty adorable, but it seems too cruel. Yeah. But it does look, like, pretty amazing. Like, I... Yeah, I want to hang out with penguins. It's yeah, really, was, it's really was, cruel, but I want to be I there. Would still go. Oh, they're in, like, cages and stuff, though. I thought like you you know they'd wander around and everything, well, they don't walk around you, but they have like you can see them like there's areas where like the glass opens and they can come over and they like interact with you, hmm that's cool, yeah, I dig, and you can feed the mackerel or whatever, yeah, pretty strange. I would let the penguins out, so next week we'll be looking at perhaps the most famous episode of Seinfeld. Uh, Certainly the most popular and well-known, but maybe not the most infamous episode. Uh, We'll be looking at Season 4, Episode 11, The Contest, in which George Costanza is caught by his mother taking care of his business and puts his mother in the hospital. Upon hearing this story, the gang decides to form a, a pact of some sort... For a contest to see who can go the longest, and be the master of their own domain. Uh, it's a classic episode of Seinfeld, and it is also going to be a classic episode of What's the Deal? As we hit the big episode fifty, the big five zero, it's going to be a cavalcade of stars and special guests on the show next week. Absolutely, gonna have John Syracuse sing the uh, opening to Seinfeld. We might have someone whose name rhymes with Ari Einfeld on the show. We might. Maybe.
1: But it could happen.
0: We might have said too much already. I don't want to give it all away. Are you excited, Chris? I'm excited. 50 episodes. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, We're, We're a big deal. We're a big what's the deal. There we go. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm super excited. Fifty episodes. Like can you imagine the person that's that's stuck with us that will have listened to fifty episodes of What's the Deal show? Hi John Grady. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> uh, yeah, those those people are amazing. They're they're great yeah, people. They're the two fans. Yeah, if you've listened to all our episodes. Why haven't you rated us on iTunes yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Patrick, maybe people want to uh, get in touch with us. Maybe they want to tell us that 49 episodes is enough and they're not going to listen to any more. How, mm-hmm. how do they get well, in touch with us? If you want to tell us to stop uh, doing what we're doing, you can hit us up on Twitter. You can go to, we tweet at WTD show. Uh, you can star tweets. All our episodes are posted there. Sometimes we retweet things people say or we respond to your tweets, whatever. You know, we do things. We're also on Facebook. You go to facebook.com what's the deal show. Uh, we post all our episodes there too. You can like tweets. You can talk other What's the Deal fans. Yeah, commiserate. Uh, Get in commiserate, there. Commiserate if we haven't posted an episode in a while. Make fun of us, you know, whatever. Mike uh, Mike Seeps really uh, took a took a swipe at us on there about the uh, lack of episode production. Did You guys catch oh, that? Oh yeah, I saw that. It, uh, Jared L Green was making fun of us for being Canadian. What? Yep. And Jackie something said some stuff too. Whoa, yep. whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, it's been a, it's been a hell of a thing over on the Facebook page. Wait, these when did days. this happen? I feel like I look at it pretty often, and this this all just happened. Yeah. No. No. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm looking at this right now. Oh oh Jared L. Green just did this twelve hours ago. Yeah. Okay, hang on. <laughs> where 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 is this? How do I how do how does Facebook even work? Here we go. Well you just go to Facebook.com slash what's the deal show. Go eat some past day. Oh. Oh no, he's making fun of the way we speak. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but that's it.
1: Oh, and Mikey Seeps was
0: talking on that. Fifty yeah. episodes before spring. Oh man, Jared L. Green and Mikey Seeps are bringing it. eight, really? You know what? I uh, like it though. But yeah, you know, uh, we have and to- also I take offense to this Jared L. Green saying, you know. Why are you not complete experts in every nuance of American culture? I'm pretty damn good. <laughs> but you weren't, you, you know what? You weren't on, oh no, you were on that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. Well, you know what? Just for Jared L. Green, next week we're going to talk about uh, Royal Canadian Air Farce. That's right. And, and uh, this hour has 22 minutes. Yeah, so. and red-green. All of our favorite shows from Canada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, if uh, you're on Tumblr, if you just go to what's show dot com, you can follow us on Tumblr. Hey, Chris Young. What do people yeah. want to do if they want to hit us up with a rating? All right. So, if you want to rate, you know, want to help us out, you can go to you can go to iTunes. And I don't want to. I don't want to. You know. I want. I don't want to influence anybody's. Ratings, Okay, I want to know what you think. So go to iTunes and let us know what you think. Are the birds the boys or are <laughs> the bees the boys? You know, it's one or the other because that's what that metaphor means. <laughs> or you can give us five stars. You, you know, could I, c- I can't even I can't even concentrate. On this now, after all, of, like number one, birds, bees, Chris doesn't know about the eggs, and you know, Mikey Seepson and, and Jared L are just just killing me. They're letting us have it. They are, but you know what? This is the encouragement that we need. We deserved okay. it. We've not been showing too long. They they push me to be better. We're gonna be the best. What's the deal? We can be. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, now. You know, let's just hash this out. Well, actually, here's what we're going to do. All right. Well, uh, as always, a hearty thank you on behalf of Patrick Armstrong. Goodbye. Christopher Young. Dave is a liar. And myself, Cameron Wong. Thank you very much for listening. And we will be with you again next week. Mikey Seeps is going to happen for real. Alright, okay, so now the show's over Now Jared L. Green says I'm completely mispronouncing the city I live in So, I guess he doesn't know how to pronounce the name of that city either Because I remember Well, we we struggled with the name of his city He he lives in Oh man, I've got to try and say it again Murfreesboro Mer, That's not, no, that's not a name No, that's that's made up it's Murfreesboro. Em, It's M U R F R E E S B O R O. The 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 correct pronunciation is Montana. <laughs> uh so I'm glad that that's a mystery to everyone. But is he is he making fun of how we're pronouncing uh Scott Scott Bayo? Scott I don't know pronounce Scott Bayo. Well, you weren't on the show when we struggled to say his name. Maybe we said bio. I think I said like Bao? Hey, wait! See if you can hear this. You better be about to play the theme song from Charles and Charlie. Do you hear that? Of our days. Oh, and I I can't I can't quite hear it. Wait! 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 Sh- Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro. Oh, like the person's name was (laughs) Murfrey. Murfreesboro. Yeah, it's definitive. Where'd you get that pronunciation from there, Patrick? From uh, MiriamWebster.com. Okay, so... Oh, wait, 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 wait. I have an actual human pronouncing it. Murfreesboro. So that's not the same... As the Merriam-Webster pronunciation. No, but that was a robot. Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro. I mean, they've only got 100,000 people living there. That's barely a town. There you go. (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) To be fair, Jared Earl Green, he probably can't get out of there. He's got family or whatever. Maybe Probably. he doesn't want to get out of there. Maybe Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I don't think they have plumbing awesome. or roads or stuff like that. It's like Mad Max in Murfreesboro. Yeah. I bet something pretty amazing happened in Murfreesboro. Like, Just a- walk away, Jared L. Green. Just walk away. Because I'm on their Wikipedia page, and there's a picture of a cannon. Okay. Well, some Civil War stuff happened there, which I'm not going to read. They got a nice bus service. They have nine buses. Whoa. Do you know they have a vice mayor? They have 12 schools. He's the mayor in charge of the vice squad. Oh, Cannonsburg Village. A reconstructed village that represents 100 years of early Tennessee history. Well, all I have to say... Wait, 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 wait. It's home to the world's largest cedar bucket.